1909 to 1913, they organized semi-secret groups known as roundtable groups in the chief British dependencies and in the United States. The roundtable group in the United States promptly created an external organization known as the CFR, the Council on Foreign Relations. It is through this organizational ring and then outward, through tax-exempt foundations, universities, and government agencies, that the international capitalist conspiracy has dominated the domestic and foreign policies of the United States for over 50 years. Unless there is any doubt as to who is behind the CFR, Dr. Quigley tells us bluntly, In New York it was known as the Council on Foreign Relations and was a front for J.P. Morgan and Company in association with the very small American Roundtable Group. From natural disasters to deadly diseases to wars, the world can be a turbulent, even chaotic place. But around 75 years ago, a new system was imagined to temper this turbulence and improve the lives of many. It is called the Liberal World Order. It is a liberal system in the sense that it operates on rules that are, in theory, applied to each country equally, and that it encourages each country to be democratic and to open its economy to the rest of the world. It is a global system in that every country around the world is encouraged to join and follow those rules, even if some do not. The CFR from behind the scenes has dominated this nation for decades. CFR members include top executives and journalists for the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Chicago Daily News, Harper's, Look, Time, Life, Newsweek, U.S. News and World Report, CBS, NBC, MGM. They include directors of the Ford Foundation, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Carnegie Endowment Fund. They include Presidents Hoover, Eisenhower, Johnson, and Nixon, Secretaries of State Statinius, Atchison, Dulles, Herter, and Rusk, a fantastic percentage of the President's Cabinet, Undersecretaries, the Federal Reserve Board, Ambassadors to other countries, Supreme Court Justices, and Presidential Advisors. The average American has never heard of the CFR. Yet it is the unseen government of the United States. Welcome, everybody, to another midweek edition of Down the Rabbit Hole. My name is Big D, and I want to welcome you along. I hope you're doing well wherever you're at in the world. We're very fortunate and grateful to have listeners all over the world. We get your emails from all over the place. It's, uh, it's unbelievable, and it's fantastic at the same time. A lot of truth seekers, a lot of people out there who are digging deep, doing great research, sending us ideas, their thoughts on our shows, and it's, uh, yeah, it's really, really, really amazing. And um, we're just grateful. And if you would like to be part of the team, you want to be uh, part of the conversation outside of this time we spend together, you can email us at down, the R-H, that's down, D-O-W-N, 
T-H-E-R-H, down the R-H, at protonmail.com. And um, if uh, if we should ever go dark, if, if they ever pull us, we are creating a list. And uh, some of you guys are probably t- tired of us talking about it. But uh, we just want to make sure, any new listeners, if you want to be on the list, if we should disappear from podcast anywhere, and you'd like to still hear the show, we will email them out to you. And you can always hear us live. Uh, the The main show, we broadcast Sundays. It's the one Brandon and I do together. That is Sundays, 8 to 9 Pacific Standard Time on nwczradio.com and channel one. So if you go to nwczradio.com, you look at the top of the page, you click channel one, and we will be there. I think it's also repeated on Monday nights, uh, 10 to 11 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We're on the West Coast of the United States. Hey, last time we were together, we uh, we, <laughs> we talked about uh, Altian Childs, and I gave you an assignment to uh if you dared if you took me up on it to watch uh, all was a five hours and change of his uh his breakdown of the masons in the new world order the freemasons it was quite a ride quite a ride and got a lot of response got a lot of people who wrote back uh, some people didn't make it all the way through a lot of people did and i think i agree the over you know the overriding i think thought from a lot of people is that it, it did go on a little too long. He could have shortened it up, and I do agree. However, uh, you have to remember, he, a lot of people who were watching that were seeing and gathering that information for the first time. We've obviously been through a lot of that information, and if you've studied Freemasonry or the New World Order for any length of time, you know a lot of that stuff we had heard. But uh, many, many people who were new to that we're absorbing it for the first time. Also, there are uh, there's some things that were pointed out that I think are interesting. We had uh, we had several listeners who pointed out that uh, one of the things he kept talking about, and I saw this in the comments on some of the videos, is he he made it you know he made the the point about how uh, many of the celebrities and many of the People associated around the Freemasonry take pictures with their hand over their eye or covering their eye in some form or fashion. And in the video, (laughs) uh, through much of the video, he had a piece of hair that was hanging over his eye. And people thought that was a little strange. Maybe he was sending out a signal. I'm, I'm not going that far. I think he just had long hair. There was also a fan blowing, and he would brush it back occasionally. It would just fall down. And I just think that's the way it worked out. Somebody also pointed out that um, there was uh, they thought there was an up, upside down triangle somewhere in the back. I, I looked I looked around for it. I I couldn't find I couldn't see it. I, I don't think there was anything nefarious going on. I think for me personally, I thought he was being open and honest about his thoughts and his feelings uh, about uh, what he had discovered. There were, uh, and I pointed this out in the sh- in the, the initial show, he, the, his um, his take on the devil horns, the uh, the rock and roll devil horns, which also, if you are from Texas, you know that to also be the hook'em horn sign. Um, 
but somebody from Australia, and that's it's true. You have to be careful. You can't. You need to do your research. But he did go on and on about that. And I think I think a lot of times, a lot of the things he showed with celebrities, you know, covering their eye, giving the the devil horns or uh, this or that. I think a lot of them. I don't. I don't know if they know what they're doing or it's be, it became it's become like a popular thing. You know, like the people who hold up the uh, the triangle. That's sort of become a thing. The, the Illuminati signal. I don't think that necessarily mean, means they belong to the Illuminati. I think they they discovered this thing, and they think it's cool or whatever. So uh, I do believe that he. Again, I do believe he was sincere. I did get one email. Somebody pointed out, and I thought this was interesting. I'm gonna go ahead and read this. It said. When he started showing the handshake, I think he got a little carried away on this one as well. I work in business, and I often meet individuals whose handshakes are weak, and it often resembles the handshake of the Freemasons. Freemasons. Um, that that's true, but I've shaken hand, I've shaken hands over my lifetime, thousands and thousands and thousands of times, and that's just, if you look at the Mason handshake, it is a specific shake. My my buddy and I were practicing it. The, uh, I don't know a couple of weeks ago, and it, it's not something that you can do. I, I don't think you can do it accidentally. And it seems it's not a it's not a limp handshake or a weak hand handshake. It's a specific way they hold they they grip their hand. And I have talked to other people who have people who have had people attempt to do that handshake on them, and obviously. The person I was talking to was not a Mason, and they just, you know, went in for the full handshake and thought it was awkward. So, I don't know. Uh, again, I just I thought it was interesting. I thought it would I would put it out there, and it seems to me like a lot of you made it through. And, I, and but the overall opinion I, of everybody I got emails from was they did find it fascinating and thought he was right on on most of his points. And I, and I do too. I do too. And if you didn't get to see it or you didn't make it all the way through, I, I understand. But if you would like the links, you can always email me uh, at the at the down the RH at protonmail.com and I will send them to you if you miss that because it is fascinating and it does take some time. It does take some time to plow through it. I will say this when he starts, this is a little tip. When he starts showing pictures of the celebrities who are holding the hand over their eye or, um, you know, wh whatever he's happens to be seeing, you can maybe just watch, uh, I don't know, maybe a few, of, a few of the shots and then just fast forward it through. Just fast forward it through to when he starts talking again because he, he did go a little overboard on that. I think he got a little excited about what he was finding, but it was, um, it, it was fascinating and I, and I was, uh, I was interested to get, your responses. All right. Well, tonight, what I want to talk about is a is a group that a lot of people have not heard of, but given what's going on in the news and a lot of the uh, a lot of the things that are coming out uh, about some of our our leaders, world leaders, and politicians, and the cover ups and the lies, and and they're finding out how a lot of these things are connected. It brings me. It keeps bringing me back to this group that I've been studying for a long time. I've kept my eye on them. Not a lot of people know about them. 
and uh, and it's because they uh, if you live in the United States, you hear you often hear the term deep state or shadow government, and but d- nobody really knows what that is. It, it's you know, it, people will explain it by saying, well, it's people who get appointed to office or get appointed to a position. They're not necessarily a, a, a politician. They, um, but they hang around in the White House and in um, you know around Washington D.C. while the politicians come and go. They're the people behind the curtain who are appointed, kind of like Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci would be one deep stater who was appointed, and he's and he's he's never been unappointed, and he hangs out and he hangs on to his position. But the Council on Foreign Relations is a what I'm going to say they are the Bilderbergs of the U.S. It's the Bilderberg. It's the unique United States Bilderberg Group, and I do believe they work in cahoots with the Bilderberg Group, and possibly they are one of the branches of the Illuminati. And when we get through this, you'll see why I say that. So if you're in New York, if you're in downtown New York and you're on the west side of Park Avenue, and I've walked by this building before, there's a big building on the corner, and it just has uh, the address on it. That's about it. But that is the headquarters for the Council on Foreign Relations. And if you pay attention to U.S. politics at all, you will hear this term come up every now and then, Council on Foreign Relations. It sounds like a government office, but it's not. It's a complete separate entity. It started in 1921. It was formed in 1921. And upon its inception, it became the most powerful private institution in the U.S. and arguably in the world. It's a, it's a very, very secret group. Well, I'll just, it started as a very, very secret group. It's not so much anymore. It's like the Bilderbergs. Once they got outed, they, they pretty much had to uh, duck and cover and run and figure out how they were going to present themselves to the public. Because now if you go to YouTube, they have their, enti- they have their own channel. They put up all kinds of talks on there. They, they have a website. Uh, much like World Economic Forum, much like the Bilderbergs, who operated in the shadows, and then when they were discovered, they had to regroup and figure out, okay, how are we going to present ourselves to the public? And that's pretty much what's going on these days. But early on, they were complete, it was a completely secret group that shunned all publicity. Their members were sworn to secrecy. They... Uh, I believe at one point their formal membership was about 1,400 U.S. elites. And there was an article written, one of the first like public mentions of these guys outside of Whispers was an article, and I'm going to put this in the show notes because it's pretty fascinating. There was an article in Harper's, July 1958. It was by Joseph Kraft, and it was called School for Statesmen. And it's uh, so it says most Americans have never heard of, quote, the best club in New York, which quietly incubates a surprising share of both the men and the ideas 
which make policy <clears throat> for the United States. And I go down here. In, I'm not going to read the whole article, obviously. I'm, I'll let you read it if you want to. But I found this interesting. It says the membership at that time was about 1,200 by invitation only with women and foreigners barred. Here's who was. Here's some of the the heavy hitters at the time: President, Secretary of State, Chairman of the Atomic Energy Commission, the Director of the Central Intel, the CIA, Board Chairman of three of the country's five largest industrial corporations, two of the four richest insurance companies, two of the three biggest banks, plus senior partners of two of the three leading Wall Street law firms, publishers of the two biggest news magazines, and of the country's most influential newspaper. And the presidents of the big three in both universities and foundations, as well as a score of other college presidents and a scattering of top scientists and journalists. That was in 1958. Now, flash forward to the present. And not that I always can trust Wikipedia, but it had a very extensive list and it pretty much matched up with uh, several other sites that I looked at. And you can go on. I'm going to put this in the, uh, the show notes as well. This is a list of the current uh, chairman, vice chairman, president, board of directors, and then you scroll down. It says notable council members. These are people who are lifetime members or who were members of the uh, Council Foreign Relations, and it, it's a who's who. It's a who's who of U.S. Uh, statesmen. And, and and now they allow women in, like Stacey Abrams is on here, which is really really weird. James Baker the third. It's all kind of politicians. Uh, Bill Clinton's on here. Uh, Obama's on here. A uh, lot of news anchors. A uh, lot of. Uh, I'll just let you go through it. It's uh, Chelsea Clinton, George Clooney. There's even um, you know stars. Katie Couric, uh, talk show host and reporter. Michael Douglas, the actor, Richard Dreyfus. Um, looking for names that you would know. Just stop. Just scrolling down here. Things that are uh, Tom Freeman, Thomas Friedman, Bill Frist. These are all. Uh, if you watch the news, um, Robert Gates, which is not. <laughs> it's not Bill Gates. Surprisingly, I haven't seen Bill Gates' name on here, which really, really shocked me. But I think this is more of a political side of things. He's not too that too interested in this. Besides, he's tied into all the other secret societies. But but the list goes on and on. And I'm going to put this in the website. So a lot a lot of very very wealthy, rich, connected, and powerful politicians all make up this this list. Some of the names will shock you. Some of the names will just outright surprise you that they would be a part of this group, and that they all work in cahoots. So you have the press, you have the politicians, you have policymakers, you have uh, presidents of universities, and on and on and on it goes. Condoleezza Rice is on here, Janet Reno, I think some of you remember them, Dan Rather's on here, of course, uh, the Rockefeller, David Rockefeller's on here. It goes on and on and on. So you get the idea. Heavy, heavy hitters who are have been since the early days and currently are part of this secret group. Now, this group is interesting because to become a member, unlike a lot of the groups that we've talked about, 
you have to be a U.S. citizen or a resident of the United States. And you have to be nominated in writing by another full member and sponsored by three more. And so there's obviously there's a process. You don't just walk in. They they seek you out. They vet you. They 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 go through, you know, I assume they they go through everything you've done, everything you're gonna do, and how they can use you before they bring you in. The uh if you go to their website, the stated goal of this group, Council Foreign Relations, is to represent the U.S. best interest abroad and increase Americans' understanding of the world and to contribute to the U.S. foreign policy. That sounds nice. That, sound, that sounds that is, you know, like most of these groups. <laughs> Even the name. You know, they, they name their groups these, these cutesy little names these innocuous names, and then they, they put a very uh, broad blanket stated goal. But we'll get into that, what that goal actually is in a moment. I thought first we'd go through a little bit of history with this group and break them down, because this is a group you need to know about. Uh, and it, not just in the U.S. They have, a, uh, they have a sister group in England, and we'll get to that in a moment. And, and they create policy all over the world. So the history of this group, this starts back in between 1915 and 1918, the best I could find. There was a group of 150 scholars that got together and they, they were called the Inquiry. And they were given the assignment to assist President Wilson and his vision of America's role in the world post-World War One. He was on a what he called a, the America peacekeeping tour. He was going to try to reshape peace in the world, and America was going to lead the charge. So a, according to articles that I found, basically their research ultimately, ultimately led them to what was uh, what's called Wilson's 14 points, and it's a strategy for global peace. And if you just look up Wilson's 14 points, You'll see it's again. It's 14 points of pretty bland. Hey, we you know we want everybody to get along. We want everyone to share in the wealth, and we want democracy and peace all across the land. But how do they want to do this? That's where things take a turn. And Wilson, for if you don't know the history of Wilson, he was probably the most socialist-minded. President, and when I say socialist, I mean like Marxist socialism. He was he 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 surrounded himself with people who were all one worlders. They all wanted one world government. They wanted the U.S. to be in charge of that. So in 1819, this group, the uh, the Inquiry, they went over to Paris and had a secret meeting with the British, which led to the the beginning of the Council on Foreign Relations, which formally started in 1921. And it essentially became the shadow government or the deep state of the United States and pretty much started right off the bat gathering high-profile members who would do their bidding. And they essentially took over the controls of the U.S. foreign policy but they're obviously not part of the government. And they were so they've become so powerful 
that even presidents are basically at their beck and call. And they developed a plan. Well, what is the plan? I think we all know the plan is a one-world government, which is why I believe, and as we go through all of this, you're going to see, I believe strongly that they are tied to the Illuminati and the Bilderbergs. This is just another one of the branches down on the tree that starts at the top with the Illuminati. So this group obviously is led by uh, an elite group of bankers, businessmen, and aristocrats. And the best, the best I could find, the leaders, especially the early leaders, and I believe they've carried on through, uh, through generations here, uh, the leaders at the time were the Morgans, the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, the Warburgs, the Astors, and other super rich, wealthy, connected families. And one of these days, we're going to have to break those, break each of those families down and go through all of them because they all are worthy of their own show. If you don't know who they I'm sure you've heard of the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds, but uh, the Morgans, the Warburgs, the Astors, all uh, deep bloodlines and uh, all have stories of their own. Anyway, these families, these, all of these families sort of resurfaced from under from the underground because they all went underground they were all part of the napoleonic wars and if you're not familiar with that we've talked about it we've touched on it a little bit the napoleonic wars what especially especially the rothschilds were famous this is how they got all their money was they would fund both sides of a war they would um they they would start wars and fund both sides and then take advantage of the, the each of the country when the war was over, and they would either uh, take you know take their profit from the winning side, and or they would basically control the losing side through all the debt that was owed to them. And this is not conspiracy. This is just a fact. This is how they operated. They're famous for they they didn't care. They 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 had no allegiance to any country or to anybody or anything. They were they are always been about money anytime you see Rothschilds pop up and they're still out there today there's still a lot of them that are out there and involved in politics and world uh, world affairs that's all they're about is the money but they sort of got outed after the Napoleonic Wars they went underground but they stayed active one of the things they did was they funded the famous Brit Cecil Rhodes and his quest to expand the British Empire across the world that was uh, Cecil Rhodes was you know he's the famous Rhodes scholarship is named after him Cecil Rhodes was a Brit who wanted to take over the world and he gathered all the the, the wealthy and powerful to try to aid him in this attempt so Bringing this into today, as we see, we've talked about here on and on and on about the World Economic Forum, about all these entities that are trying to create this one world system. This is nothing new. This is just the latest attempt. This has been going on for decades and, and hundreds of years. This is nothing new. We're just seeing it bubble to the surface because what they do is they work under you know, under the radar until they believe it's the right moment, and then they surface and they make this their big huge push. 
And, you know, thank God so far they haven't been successful. They've been fairly successful at times. And we'll see how successful they are uh, moving forward as we see them trying to do it in real time today. But so Cecil Rhodes, they funded him. He was trying to take over the world. Obviously, it didn't work out. Now, Cecil Rhodes, again, he's the, he, he left a ton of money for the Rhodes Scholarship, which is this uh, prestigious award. If you haven't heard of it, it's a prestigious award to uh, well-connected students who have an interest in, quote, improving the world. <laughs> and famous people have been Rhodes Scholars. Bill Clinton was a Rhodes Scholar. A lot of people have been Rhodes Scholars. A lot of, lot of influential people have been Rhodes Scholars. Basically, it's a Rhodes puppet is what they become. They fund them, they back them, and then they, in turn, do what the puppet masters say. Now, according to legend, and I've, I've, I've seen this many places, and, and I, I have to say, it is according to legend. I've never seen copies of it. I've only read many, many accounts of it. And so I can't say that I've actually seen this. But according to legend and, and according to some, uh, Cecil Rhodes left seven secret wills when he died. And these seven wills basically laid out the blueprint for a global secret society based on the practices of the Jesuits and, ding, the Freemasons. Cecil Rhodes was fascinated with the Freemasons. The Freemasons just show up. They show up in everything. It is, it is mind-blowing how the Freemasons who, you know, you see them in the parades, you see their little buildings down, uh, down at the end of the block, you might see their temple here or there. It is unbelievable how they show up and everything. But here they are again. So Cecil Rhodes, big fan of the Freemasons, big fan of the way they ran things. And so these seven wills were left. It was this blueprint. And the group that was, that was brought together from the seven wills, became known as the Roundtable Group. And the Roundtable Group, there's a Roundtable Group in England, and that's the sister group of what became the United States Group, the Council of Foreign Relations. And a lot of people believe that the CFR is actually a front for the Roundtable Group. So they work together, the British group and the U.S. group, but, you know, the roundtable thing just didn't work here. It, it doesn't have the same meaning here, so they had to come up with a different term. So what does this all mean? Where are we, go where are we going with all Big D, where are we going with all of this? this, this we're getting out in the weeds here. All right, let's, let's rein it in. It's pretty disturbing, to, to be honest with you. So the CFR became the U.S. most powerful foreign lobby group. And essentially what they are doing and what it's designed to do is to eliminate the United States and turn the United States into a province of the globe uh, one of the, uh, and, the, globe, and the, glo the new global governance. It's basically it's to turn all because the United States is the power. It's the power of the, of the world. And that's why we're, we're seeing in real time this attempt 
attempted takedown of the United States. They're going to knock them down. They're going to knock them down and make them basically a province and make all the countries a province of this global governance. So wherever you're listening, whatever country you're listening in, it's, it's the same for you guys. But the United States happens to be the power at the moment. And it's it is the shining uh, you know shining light on the hill for freedom and and all of that. So uh, behind the scenes, they basically work with the United States enemies. And I've got I've got I have a few examples of this, and I don't want to go into too many of them because um, because of time. But some prime examples of this group working against. So again, they're the Council on Foreign Relations, supposedly representing the United States, and what they're actually doing is working against the U.S. And example number one, many believe, and if you, uh, if you get outside of the history books and you get into the details of what, re- what really went on, many, many people believe that the United States allowed Pearl Harbor to happen. I'll let that sink in for a second. Do you know? I think most of you know what Pearl Harbor is. It's when the United States was was attacked and dragged into the war. It was we were just kind of hanging out. People, Pearl Harbor's in Hawaii, and uh, and one day the uh, the Japanese just came in and just bombed, bombed, bombed. And, and it's a, it, over here. It's a really it's it's a really big deal. We remember it every year. A lot of people lost their lives. But leading up to the United States did not want to, the, the people of the United States did not want to go to war. They were against it. They did, they were, they, it, it had nothing to do with the United States. They, they didn't feel like it was their place. They, did, they didn't need, they didn't need that at the time. And so the belief is, and there's some pretty good proof to back it up, that the United States knew it was going to happen and they allowed it to happen. Because what did it do? Well, it motivated the United States population to, of course, wage war and to get involved in the war, which is what they, what, which is what the elites wanted. The elites love war because they love to fund both sides. They make gadzooks amounts of money. Example number two: uh, it, in World War II, if you follow the money, many, many of the U.S. banks and companies funded both sides of the war and made massive amounts of money. And they consolidated their control over the, the countries that lost and expl- by exploiting their debt. It's the, Rothschild, uh, it's the Rothschild blueprint. And during World War II, Ford, uh, J.P. Morgan, a lot of banks, a lot of banks, and, and a lot of incidences where they backed certain battles, they backed certain groups and agitated this and that. They were pulling strings. And we don't have time to go into the deep dive of it, but if you do your own research on it, and like I said, get outside of the mainstream and get and get down into where you're just doing your own research on things, you'll find out that the United States funded both sides of the war and a lot of these companies made off like bandits and... The biggest thing was they consolidated this control over many, many countries, not just the United States government, but many of these governments, and and they've reined them in. 
Uh, some of the more modern things, a lot of people believe, uh, I'm sure you've heard a lot of the theory, a lot of people believe that 9-11 was an inside job, that the, that the U.S. government knew it, that they knew it was going to happen, and they allowed it to happen. What we're finding out now with the whole COVID thing, and we've, we've been talking about this for a year, the whole COVID thing is coming out that the U.S. government, or at least portions of it, knew exactly what was going on and worked against the best interest of the people and the WHO and the, and China worked against the best interest of the world. And who made who made out follow the money? Who made out the most? Big businesses, banks, all these people who are behind the scenes. And so you can see this is a pattern. This is a pattern that has been perpetrated on the people and and there's there's pl- there's lots of other examples. I'm not going to go through them all, and maybe one of these days we'll, we'll do the deep dive on that. But <clears throat> we're talking about the Council for Foreign Relations right now. So, is the CFR part of the Illuminati? I can't honestly can't find anything other than certain members. There are a lot of members of the CFR who are also part of the Bilderberg Group, who are also part of the Masons. And as we know, as we've, broke, as we've broken down before, the, the hierarchy of, because we don't know who the, we have no idea who's at the top, who, who the Illuminati are, because it's my belief that the Illuminati are the top leaders of these groups as you move down the pyramid. So like the head of the Freemasons would probably be one of the Illuminati. The head of the Bilderberg group, probably part of the Illuminati you know, head of the CFR, probably part of the Illuminati. I don't know this for a fact, but it, it if you just use logical sequence of think of thought, that's where it all leads. And, and so it is my belief that whoever is the deepest. And if, so if you look, if you look at who is leading the CFR right now, it's names you probably never heard of. Uh, the president, or the chairman of the board is David Rubenstein. The vice chairman is Blair Efron. Vice chairman is Jamie Missick. And the president is Richard Haas. I don't know any of these people. I have no idea who they are. So I don't think that they, in particular, are part of, you know, they're, they're just heading up this front group. I believe it's people who actually pull their strings who are in the group. They don't want they we know how these people work. They don't like to put their names at the top. They don't like their names out there as much. That's why I don't believe people like Soros or Gates uh and, and you know, a lot of the lot of the figures that we are constantly hearing about evil people, no doubt. But I believe they're puppets. I believe they're puppets of the people who operate in the shadows and that's what this group is. This group is going. This group is alive today. It, it's it is, um, it's an actual group. You can go to their website. It's www.cfr.org. They, uh, I'm looking at the front of the website right now. They have a photo of Putin and Biden, and what to watch for at the Putin, uh, Biden Putin summit. Uh, where is the G7 headed? It's all about global and world affairs. But if you dig in deep enough, and they have a page called Regions, 
and you can go in, you can see what their plans are for uh, the Americas, Asia, Europe, Eurasia, Global Commons, and then uh, all of it basically is heading towards this idea that we need to be a, uh, a, a you know one one group. We got we have to be this global government, and and that's what they're all heading towards. They're all leaning towards all these groups: the Masons, the the, the Rosicrucians, you know, all of them. And depopulation. That's that's another one. Eugenics. It's on their website. If you look at it under topics, uh, it's under health and human rights. Uh, it's hidden in there. They use coded language, but they talk about it's all. Anytime you see words like sustainable resources, um, you know, trying, uh, you know, water rights or uh, you know, food. What they're talking about is they're wor- they're worried that there's going to be overpopulation and that the planet won't keep up with it, and they're scared that they won't get there. So they have to eliminate the uh, the population or bring it down so that they can basically give control the lower population, give them just enough to survive, give them enough to be the worker bees, and then they have the rest of the world uh, as their own uh, as a playground. And it's it's quite a nefarious plan. It's, it's one of those things that, of course, everyone's going to say, you're a conspiracy theorist and you're crazy. But I challenge you, do your own research on this Council on Foreign Relations. Dig deep. And you will you will come you will find out and you will see that what they present on their face, just like if you go to the Bilderberg Group website and you you hear about their meetings, and they only put out what they want to. The fact that they're all sworn to secrecy, and the fact that the members are all the top uh, politicians, that they're all the top media people, all the top people from colleges, all these all these higher educated big businessmen and the media they're all in cahoots and it's that's a frightening thought think about that we're supposed to have free independent press but the press is run by the Bilderberg group and the CFR this group is supposed to be independent of the government yet they basically run the government they control all the big players in government and that should that should frighten you it frightens me i don't like it because you can't vote these people out this isn't like you can go to the polls and vote these people out. And they have their hand-picked people who they want in, and they uh, they pour tons and tons of money. You ever wonder why the Hollywood people come out and you wonder, why are they endorsing that person? Or what? Why are they talking about this or that issue? They're actors. This is why. Because it's a full-on assault from all sides of the aisle. It's politics. It's culture. It's literature. It's media. They're pushing an agenda. And it gets right back down to Edward Bernays and propaganda. They know how to use propaganda. They know how to manipulate. They they study this. They bring it. They, they, they use the Tavistock Institute, which Brandon talked about. They use advertising. They, 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 they also love one of the other tactics, and this is something that we should all be aware of, and, and I'll close with this, is distraction. One of the things that Edward Bernays talked about, 
that the CFR is banking on, that all these groups are really banking on, is that you will stay distracted, whether it be through movies, TV, sports. And I'm not saying any of these things are wrong or bad. But if you're not paying attention and you're focused on other things and you're all wrapped up in your favorite team or you're all wrapped up on your phone or on social media or whatever these things, you're all wrapped up and you're doing and that becomes your world, that's what they want. That They want you sleeping. They want you, as Pink Floyd says, comfortably numb. They want you out of the picture so that they can do their thing. And then when you wake up, it's too late. That's why it's time to wake up now. All these vaccine passports, you know, all the crazy lockdowns and, and all the power grabs that governors and presidents and prime ministers and everybody has pulled on everybody, locking up people for you know, going for going on walks. You can't travel anywhere. I know it's opening up a little bit now, and, and it is much better, but we can't lose sight of what they did to us. We can't lose sight. Again, I believe this is a trial run. I think, the, I think they used an event as this trial run. I don't think they actually planned this virus. I, I think they used the virus. I think they saw an opportunity, and they jumped on it. The only thing I can hope is that they overplayed their hand and that they've been exposed enough to where people will fight back and not go for it. Because this is just the latest attempt of a long history of these same people, same type of people, attempting to take over the world, to implement their plan, which does not include you, it does not include me, and it is all about them. They are narcissistic, they, they are greedy, they are power-hungry, and all they want to do is rule, 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 and you're not part of that group, and I'm not part of that group. And I think a lot of these people who think they're part of this group are what Marx called useful idiots. They're doing their bidding, they think they're going to be part of the club, and if the, if the, the flip ever got switched and these guys were actually successful, they would, they would kick all of those people out, and those people would be shocked at how they had been used. Don't be used. Don't be part of this. Be smart. Do your research. Think critically. Listen to the news. Listen to what you're hearing. Do, don't take it at face value. Dig in. Find multiple resources. And... You know, I, I say, listen to us. We, we we try to do our research. We try to do the best we can. We're not always right. But we're one voice out here who is trying to get to the bottom of things, trying to put information out to you, trying to get information out that you are not going to hear on the mainstream TV news or in the paper or whatever. And yes, you're going to be called names, you're going to be called a conspiracy theorist, you're going to be called a wacko, you're going to be called a crackpot. Just keep digging, because it's only a conspiracy until it's not. And once you crack it, once you get to the bottom of it and you expose it, it's pretty funny. All those people who called you a conspiracy theorist, they don't know what to do with it. <laughs> they don't know what to do with the information. In fact, usually they just ignore it. But they don't call you a conspiracy theorist anymore because you got to the bottom of it.
So that's the uh, Council on Foreign Relations. I, I encourage you, I'm going to put these in the show notes, the, the 1958 uh, School for Statesmen article. I'll put the, member, the link to the members and uh, a link to their website. I hope you will take some time and do some research. I will say this, don't use Google. Because if you just Google up Council on Foreign Relations, you're going to get 100 pages, just like everything else, just like Gates and all of that, about how great they are, all the, uh, all the great work they do, and, and just a lot of uh, mishmash nonsense. You, you must dig deep. You must use different keywords. Uh, follow some of the names. Follow, uh, you know... When you're reading this article, School for Statesmen, follow some of the, uh, the things they talk about. That's where you're going to find out the information. You have to get beyond the headlines. you got to get beyond what they want you to know. Because as we know, Google, Facebook, uh, Amazon, all of, they're controlling the Internet right now. They're controlling information. And it's really hard to get around it, which is why I like books. And there are a lot of great books on this topic and you can find those on like abebooks.com. Some of them are on amazon.com, but they like to uh, they like to ban, you know ban some of these things. But they're out there. They're out there. And I encourage you if you're interested in this topic and you should be because this group flies under the radar and they are just as dangerous as any group out there. I keep my eye on them all the time and I'm constantly watching the list of the people who are involved with them and how they act on the world stage, and it will surprise you. It'll actually shock you. So I hope everybody, I hope you guys all have a great rest of the week. Brandon and I will be back in on Sunday. We're going to talk about the Vril Society. Fascinating stuff with the Nazis and their obsession with the occult. And uh, in the meantime, I hope it's sunny where you're at, and I hope the weather's getting warm, and I hope things are kind of you know loosening up and you're able to get out and about uh, because with all this COVID nonsense. But again, never forget what they did to us. You should always carry that with you, and we should never, ever allow that to happen again. We must stay on guard for what they have up their sleeves. All right, I'm Big D. I'm out of here. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. <laughs>